The questions to today's episode are, what's the best way to invest and where? How do I create a consistent side income? What should I do to my portfolio with the coronavirus crisis happening? And a few more retirement-related questions. With the answers, here's Philip Washington. We're back with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast. Feel free if you have any questions uh, about money, finance, business, investing, financial planning. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at ask underscore Philip or on Instagram at ask Philip uh, with questions. But these are questions that I got from my last seminar. I have like a whole probably 100 questions that I'll be going through from seminars that I do monthly. But if you want your question answered, I will prioritize the the ones that uh, I get on Twitter or Instagram. Again, just search ask Philip. You'll find me on there. First question. What's the best way to invest? And where? This actually is a really good question. A lot of people have a question in this f- form just in general. And so the answer to the question, though, is it depends. And everybody hates the it depends. But when you're investing, you want to think of it like a, a business plan. So if somebody would say, hey, what's a good business? Well, it just depends. Right? When you think about your investment, what's a good be- uh, what's a good investment? It depends. you got to first figure out where you're going. What's your goal? Uh, which will back into how much time do you have. And then you want to get an understanding of what's your tolerance for risk. Because um, if you have a low risk tolerance in a short time frame, that's a different type of an investment, a more conservative investment portfolio than if you are aggressive uh, and have a long time frame. Uh, if, and, and also in a different investment might be if you have a long term frame, but you're, but you're conservative. That's a different type of investment. So uh, it depends because it depends on time frame, goal, uh, risk tolerance. But, in, but let me give an answer that people will find um, uh, useful. Let's narrow it down because everybody who's listening is probably investing for one day being in a position to work because you want to, not because you have to. All right, some call it retirement, some just call it financial freedom, financial independence. But at some point, you, you want to be in a position to work because you want to, not because you have to. And so that's a investment goal everybody um, has. And so in general, I think um, if you're not managing your own portfolio and you don't want to get into the weeds of analyzing markets, interest rates, economic data to figure out what the trend is and how you should position your portfolio appropriately and figuring out how much or how little diversification you want, which is more of an art than a science. Um, a simple solution is what's called a target date index fund or a target date ETF. But it's basically a fund where you can say, hey, this is the date when I want to retire. So for example, if you want to retire in 2060 and that's when you're likely going to be 65 years old, which is normal retirement date, um, you can pick, and let, let me give you another, let's say you're also right now, you're 40. So 25 years from now, you'll be 65. So that would make it 25 years plus 2020, 2045. So there's a target date 2045 fund that you can buy from a low cost, and I would buy it from a low cost mutual fund company like Vanguard is currently one of my favorite companies. Um, but do your research. Um, but it's a low-cost target date fund that will invest your money for you towards that date. And literally, you can put your money in there um, and put money and put the amount of money you got to put in every single month. And um, they'll handle the investment for you. And 
my belief is the person who does that and sticks with it through up markets and down markets and volatile markets and exciting markets and nervous markets, um, they're very likely going to do better than, than than most. And so for the majority of investors out there, I think that is a uh, the best way to invest. Because if you, if you get with an advisor or a wealth manager like myself, that's basically what I'm doing for clients' money over time. Either way, I might customize it a bit more, but um, it's basically doing it for you with a, you know, um, a good plain vanilla way with a low-cost company. It can get you 80, 90% of what you need uh, in a portfolio. And um, and that's really everything you need to, to reach your goal. So um, that's the best way to invest in where, in my opinion, uh, for most investors investing for retirement. Next question. How do I create a consistent side income? I added this question to the list because I get this a lot too in some form or fashion. Normally, it's somebody coming to me saying, hey, I want to invest, but I want to invest so that I can make some money like this year. They're looking for some cash flow type situations. And, and typically, in general, the mindset is somebody who's recently become um, what you call woke to um, um, making money with your money, which is good, right? I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, learned about cash flow and uh, it was amazing, the, but what I had to do is walk them through the fact that finding a business where you can put in a hundred grand and it's going to pay you a good amount of money t- today um, is maybe not so much the best way. And they're soup, and they're really, really hard, right? So what I walked them through is you can break your investments up into two types of investments, right? And this will I'm answering the question, but I have to give you the framework. You have passive investments, which are like uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, real estate investment trusts, REITs, that, um, you know, on the aggressive side, you know, the stock market over the long term is average about 10% a year, bonds less. But those are not going to be home run type of investments and are not going to generate a lot of income um, today, right? The stocks may pay dividends and you can build the portfolio more dividend heavy or less dividend heavy, depending on where you are. But it's typically not what that person is looking for, because that's more build an investment portfolio for long-term appreciation um, or growth, another way of saying growth. And so it's not the one that typically when somebody's asking this question, they're asking about. So the, what, what they're really saying is, Philip, I want to I want to create a business because people will typically go to real estate. They'll say, can't, but can I do this with real estate? And I'm like, listen, um, passively, no. If you're investing in real estate passively, no, because your deals are not going to come to you that have a lot of cash flow. If you got to treat it like a business, meaning the people that are making the money that you're talking about making, where they're making money today, they are spending 20, 30, 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week uh, networking so that deals can come to them. Because in real estate, when you're doing this, you have to find the kids who inherit land or housing they don't want, or you got to find the people who got divorced or the people who lost their jobs. And that comes with shaking hands and kissing babies and becoming the go-to person for people when they, when they need to sell something at distress. And that's work. Having the money is easy. Everybody has money. Uh, but if you're looking to make get those kind of deals, you got to put in the work of building the network so that those deals can can come to you, right? And, and so if you spend... 80 hours a week doing that to generate income, or you can take your money and spend 80 hours a week building a business. But you, but that other bucket, right? So we got the passive bucket. Then we have the home run bucket, um, and the home run bucket is, is what I'm talking about, where you're spending the, you're you're putting in money plus effort, right? And that's how you generate income today, right? So to simplify it, 
you generate income in the passive bucket by being long-term. When you want to generate income today, um, no matter, even in investing, you got to put your sweat equity in, right? You have to insert yourself and your time to generate um, equity today. Like with my business, I put in money into my business and I make money this year off marketing, you know, hiring people to help to free up my time to go get more clients. Um, and so the, investing in real estate or other businesses is the same thing um, because it's everything is supply and demand. Everybody has money. So you finding a business where you can just give somebody a hundred grand and it's going to spit out 10,000 a year of cash flow, man, good luck. If you find it, call me because I would love to find that investment. It's, it's, it's really hard to find um, uh, in a market where everybody has money, right? You can find those deals in 08, 09 when everybody was scared and nobody was doing deals, but not in this market, not in a normal market. Um, so that's the answer to that question. It's a long answer, but uh, that is the answer. Next question. Which stock should I specifically invest in? I kind of answered this question in the first one, um, but I'll, I'll use this question to provide a little nuance on the last question. I believe anybody who's asking anybody this question should not be investing in stocks because let's go to football. Let's get out of Nerdland, for example, and let's go to football or even basketball. It's basketball season. Let's do basketball. So the the best basketball teams, if you look at Greg Popovich, um, the Spurs, um, and what he's done with and without, you know, with and without great teams, or you look at, uh, you know, Phil Jackson, which, you know, people say, well, he always had good players. He did, but he also had a consistent system that he applied across multiple organizations, you know, multiple uh, superstars uh, and organizations. Um, you look at, you know, my my favorite team, um, the Rockets and Mike D'Antoni. He has a very consistent system that he's applied across multiple teams that you interchange different players. So, so their record of success, right, and it really applies to football when you look at Bill Belichick and the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid and you look at um, – Alabama, Nick Saban, teams that rely on systems and not players. I'm not saying they win a championship every single year, but they're contenders every single year. And so same as investments. Like you, you, if you're trying to have the highest return every single year, like that's a game that nobody consistently wins. You know? But if you're saying, hey, I want to I reach my financial goals and build my portfolio to make money or have a high probability of making money over time, the money I need to reach my goals – you don't want to rely on individual stocks or uh, individual ETFs. You want to have a system that you use to choose what you own and when you own it, right? And it takes time to build that system, which is why I recommend the target date retirement funds because they have a well-built system there. But you don't want to rely on individual stocks, right? Individual stocks are sexy. You know, individual stocks are fun, right? It's it's exciting, um, you know, for New Orleans Pelicans to pick Zion as the number one draft pick, <laughs> but they're not a contender. You know, like one player is not going to make you a championship uh, team unless that player is like LeBron James, right? But even LeBron didn't win until he got a a good team with a good system, although he was just a sheer force of just getting to the finals that early. It's crazy. But that's an anomaly, right? And the odds of you getting LeBron James is crazy. And so don't build your plan around individual stocks. It's fun, right? Maybe you... Because if you're talking to your friends about stocks, which right now it's cool, like everybody's a stock investor, which, you know, sometimes makes me a little bit nervous. But when everybody's a stock investor and it's cool, you know, it's it's not cool to say, hey, look, I just have a system that is, you know, I'll 
you know, use my system to pick stocks. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't really, really what I own right now because I just pick the stocks that went through my screen in the system and it's, I built my system and, you know, I don't own anything really exciting, but I'm making money over time. Like, that's not fun to say, oh man, um, Spotify, oh, it's the new, you know, everybody's podcasting, it's the new thing, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's fun, that's sexy, but it's the difference between like fun and making money, right? And so um, if you want to make money, you need to use systems, right? So that is the answer to that question. Next question. What should I do to my portfolio with the coronavirus crisis happening? If anybody follows me on LinkedIn or Facebook or is on my email list, I did a post on that yesterday. And and what I did was I, man, I wish I had my phone right now, but I went through 2003 to current and did all the, so I went through SARS, Zika virus, you know, uh, people reminded me of Ebola, um, but we went through like Every, it's every other year, eight, every 18 months or so, there's some new scare where people get scared out of stocks for one reason or another because they think it's the end of the world. Yeah, so 2003, 2004, SARS. 2005, 2006, bird flu. The, of course, we know 08, 07, financial crisis. 2009, swine flu. Euro crisis, 2011, 2012. The China miracle growth ending 2015, 2016, Zika virus 2016, 2017. At the end of 2018, people thought the world was never going to grow. Um, you know, and if and if you want to get political, people that didn't like the new uh, administration thought that they were just going to trash the world, right? And you know, and by the way, like when when Obama was in office, the other side was saying the same thing. So there's always some there's always some. Um, reason that people fear what's happening. But the reality is, uh, if you don't need the money 24 to 36 months from now, um, then there's no reason to worry. And people say, well, what if I do need the money 24 to 36 months? You shouldn't be investing it. Like if you need money in 24 to 36 months, put that in the savings account. All right. But if, but if you're investing for the long term, um, then who cares about what happens in the short term? As a matter of fact, you look at the short term as an opportunity. Like I love the short term, right? Because guess what? Some of the stocks that I had on my watch list that I couldn't buy because they were not in my system, they're going into my system. And when I when I add the new companies to my system at the end of March, which is part of my process every quarter, then they'll go in, right? Great companies that I you know I couldn't buy because it didn't you know didn't fit my system. A lot of the ones starting to fit my system now because people are acting crazy and foolish and and silly scared of the Zika virus. And I'm like, hey, look, we've seen this through history, right? And matter of fact, in the seminar that I teach, I talk about the Dow Jones, January 2nd, 1930. It was at 244. Today, it's somewhere around 29,000, maybe 28, because it dropped quite a bit of points, you know. But but the point is, a lot has happened since 1930. I mean, a lot of a lot more scary stuff, right? I mean, we were, you know, Germany's going to take over the world, um, at one point throughout that period of time. So it was way scarier than than this virus that kills less people than the flu around the world. Um, and so this too shall pass. Ignore the noise. The, the media is going to rev it up because they either need to pick on politicians or something like this to sell advertisements, right? Only reason why I watch CNBC or other of those news channels is just because I need to know what's going on, but they're they're useless when it comes to information. Like you're going to get no information advantage listening to what they say. Trust me on that. So just turn it off. Close your portfolio. Go find some useful thing to do with your life, and in three months you'll forget about it. Just my two cents.
Last question. When should I take Social Security? This actually is a really important question. I get this question at least every quarter. And so this depends, but I'm more like taking it like at the latest time, 70, right? Because and here's why I like taking it at 70 if you if you can afford to, um, because every year, or really, once you reach full Social Security age, they're going to pay you more money every single month. You don't take it until you turn 70. So so meaning if you're full retirement, because your full retirement age depends on when you were born. But, you know, for example, I had a client that was that was her full retirement age is 66. And so we were, we were discussing and I let her know that every month she does not take the Social Security. Right. Start starting one month after she turns 66. Every month she does not uh, extra, you know, take her benefit. The, they're giving her something like two thirds of one percent more money for the rest of her life. So let me give some simple math. If you play it out over a year and she was getting a thousand bucks a month, right? Eight percent of a thousand dollars is what another eighty bucks, another eighty bucks a month for you know if if she waited twelve months, right? So she waited twelve months, she get another eighty bucks a month for the rest of her life. So we just played it out and just said, hey, like if you're getting two thousand, that's another hundred sixty bucks, you know, a month, real money. But when you go to seventy, they no longer um, add that. Like seventy, your benefit is your benefit. You max out. There's no more you can get. And so people will say, well, Philip, what if I die before 70? Well, then you don't have to run. You don't have to worry about running out of money <laughs> because you did. You know, they're like, I paid into it for so long and, and uh, you know, I just want to get something. I'm like, but, but listen, like if you don't need it, like because if you look at pension plans or other money you saved and you could get more money guaranteed every single month that pays out for the rest of your life. I look at Social Security more like in longevity insurance. And if you can build that up and you don't need the money, then cool, right? Because the biggest risk in retirement is outliving your money. And so, you know, you, you look at, okay, there's a risk of you dying before 70, right? But then there's a, a risk of that's, that's more probable. There's a risk you're going to live to 110, right? That's a bigger risk and a more costlier risk than losing out on a few thousand bucks because you die early and which doesn't really matter because you're dead and you don't really care, right? Because you're, you're not here. And so that's my philosophy on that but I'm fully aware that when especially my clients they hear me and they say okay I won't do it now and I just try to push them to take it as late as possible and get more of that money because I just know the math right the math is if they made it this far they're probably gonna live a long time right and um and the risk of outliving that money is way greater than dying early so that's that's my two cents this is for informational purposes only and educational purposes, uh, not meant to be investment advice. Uh, I am Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management. Uh, no investment is guaranteed unless otherwise stated. You need to seek your own counsel before making investment decisions. Investing involves risk. Y'all enjoy your day. Hit me up with your questions if you have any. And thank y'all for listening. Listening.